Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Let's jump in. So Pastor Caleb, he started off this sermon or the sermon series last week, uh, chapter one of Jonah, where we met this minor prophet who was very reluctant to obey what the Lord had asked him to do. He said, hey, go and spread the gospel to the Ninevites. And he said, no. And we see Jonah wasn't just straight up, no, he was reluctant, and he kind of was like, maybe I'll get on a boat, but it's gonna go the other direction. He was still thinking about it, and instead of acquiescing, instead of saying yes to the Lord, he ran. And when I think about those who are reluctant to obey God, those who are hesitant, those who run from the call of God on their lives, I believe that they may not have positioned themselves to build a life that was a life to please God, but rather they're living a life to get the rewards that God can give us. So those who perhaps are reluctant, those who are running, maybe you still show up to church, maybe you still hang out with community, maybe you um, flip open the YouVersion app to read the Bible, and you're still not saying yes to what God's asked you to do, I believe that you're building a life that's based on achievement, and the achievement really reveals that your heart is that you would be rewarded. Let's not be like Jonah. Let's not be runners. Let's not be reluctant. Today is a message about obedience. It's about obedience, and you know what? Some of you might have been, um, I don't know what your year looked like, but we are about to enter the, the fourth quarter of the year. Does anybody else judge their years and track them based off of quarters? Anybody? Yes. Okay. Me and Daniel. <laughs> Daniel's son. Um, well, I'm thinking like it's the fourth quarter, October, November, December, and this is where I can really kick it into gear because I may have had some things in the beginning of the year that I set out to do, some New Year's resolutions, and the New Year's resolutions um, didn't come through, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it October, November, December, right? Okay, so if you've been running from God, this is the last quarter. This is the moment where you can go after him. This is a moment where you can choose to say yes or no to him. Every time we are in the presence of God, we have the opportunity to make a decision for him. And it's not too late. You are not too gone, too far gone to receive all that God has for you. And the year is not up yet. Got it? That was just a real quick word of encouragement. But we see here that Jonah, the prophet, he is reluctant. He's a runner, perhaps even reward-based. And when you are a reluctant runner, I promise you, you are only leading a path that is going straight to rock bottom. Today, in chapter two of Jonah, we see that Jonah, after saying no to God, after running for him, he gets to a place where he is at rock bottom. He's thrown overboard after the storm is taking place and all the other men in the boat are like, bro, you're a prophet and you said no to God and that's probably why the storm is happening. So get out of our boat, right? Get out of the boat and as soon as he fell into the, the bottom of the sea, there was a fish, a great fish that swooped him up, swallowed him and then everything was peaceful. 
on the surface. But how many people know that even though that there's peace on the surface, what was happening to Jonah under the surface was turmoil. If you've ever hit rock bottom, you know exactly what that feels like. So what we see in chapter two is Jonah praying out of the depths of his heart, a rock bottom prayer. And we can learn a lot from that. But I want you to notice something before I get to chapter two in Jonah 1.17. It says, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. It's interesting there that we see actually a glimpse of what Jesus experienced. There's glimpses of Jesus throughout the Old Testament. Some people think that the Old Testament is just for the Old Testament and they're just old um, four Lord kind of stories. But no, there are remnants and there are glimpses of who Jesus is and we're seeing that Jonah is experiencing a little bit of three days and three nights the way Jesus did but it says here and I want to focus on this and the Lord appointed somebody say appointed a great fish I have never seen him appoint an animal <laughs> he appointed the fish in other versions it says that he prepared a fish for Jonah and in another translation, it says that the Lord provided a great fish. Listen, some of us have felt like that we've been swallowed up by life. We've been swallowed up by circumstances. We've been swallowed up by situations that have brought turmoil to our lives. And can I tell you that it is not a mistake that God has made. Sometimes we take these hardships as punishments, but in actuality, it is provision by the hand of God. If you have found yourself in rock bottom, God is wanting to deliver you and help you to see him for who he is, the God who provides. He is Jehovah Jireh. Even the rock bottom moments are the moments that I know people are being set up to be set free. I baptized a couple people um, in, a couple, in the second service, and one of the young men, he said, his name is Cameron, he said, he hit rock bottom and he wanted to give his life to the Lord. Oftentimes when we hit rock bottom, we're finally in the place where we're honest with ourselves, honest with who God is, and we're ready for God to do a miracle. We often mistake God's provision for punishment. Not today. Not today, church. So let's go into Jonah 2 and read the prayer that Jonah prays. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. He provided. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. He provided again. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Take note of that. Look upon your holy temple temple. Verse five, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up. You brought up my life from the pit. O oh Lord, my God, he provided. When my life was fainting away, when it was flashing before his eyes, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. That's the second mention of the holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I will, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and, I, and it vomited Jonah out upon 
the dry land. Jonah, the runner, the track star. Sorry, I just had to do it. He was praying a rock bottom prayer. And I want to give you a working definition for what a rock bottom prayer is. It's realization that the only thing you have going for you is God. The God who pursues you through grace. It's not the relationship. It's not the money. It's not the job. It's not the money. It's not the appearance that you need. It's the realization that the only thing you have going for you is God. Hey, listen, you don't have to be rock bottom to be in this place. God is calling us, Project Church, to be a people who are desperate for him, who are people that say he is our everything and he is my only thing. He is the one thing that I need in this world. When the life of Jonah is being flashed before his eyes, he comes to a place where he realizes it's only God who can he, who can who he can talk to and only God who can rescue him from this place. Rock bottom, have you ever been there? Have you ever prayed those rock bottom prayers? Here's what rock bottom prayers look like. They look like, number one, raw honesty. Raw honesty. You finally get honest with yourself. You finally admit to yourself the error of your ways. You finally admit that you actually have a need. You finally get desperate and you don't rely on yourself anymore. Raw Honesty, come on, we need a dose of raw honesty in a world that is only posting the highlight reel. How many people see that there's people who post what happened after the, the, the hard moment? And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, I'm just saying that there's a moment where we get into the rote behavior of just posting after we're in the hard spot. And we can finally be honest. And I wonder how long the road was to the point of posting when you could have been honest to begin with and not have been in that place in private. We need to get to a place of raw honesty. Number one, those are rock bottom prayers. I'm sure many of you have prayed these. Another way or uh, description of a rock bottom prayer is deep humility. Deep humility is when you're finally not just thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. You've heard that description. Humility, deep humility, and then finally crying out. Sometimes people don't cry out until they're finally honest, until there's finally a level of humility. There's some people where crying out looks like crying, like tears. There's crying out that looks like finally being honest with your accountability partner that you've been hiding all these things from. You know, crying out, crying out to God is telling him what he already knows. And you finally came to the place where you can be vulnerable and transparent with him. That is what rock bottom prayers look like. But I want you to notice the rock bottom prayer that Jonah pray, prays, he mentions two times the temple. The, it says here that when my life was fading away, when his life flashed before his eyes, that's kind of what, how we would say it in modern terms. I wonder what it would be like, think about this, if your life flashed before your eyes. What would you think about when I, when I saw that the temple was listed here twice and that he made mention of the temple, I wondered to myself, if I was on my deathbed, my life flashed before my eyes, would I be thinking about Project Church at 1200 Second Street? 
oh yeah, those white walls, that coffee shop. With, no, that's not the temple that he's talking about. He's not just talking about this, this place or this location. You see in his prayer that he's talking about a place where he felt and met God. And the reason why he's thinking about that is because it's a place where he has found peace, where he has found solace. The temple of God is a place where you find peace. But not until you're finally honest and when you're walking in humility do you find and remember the place that God met you. I think about these moments where people are headed towards rock bottom and I hadn't seen them in weeks or months. And I'm not saying that this is always the case, but there are moments where we run from where we know that we have sense the presence of God so strongly in our life, we avoid it because we want to keep running and we want to keep doing things the way we want to do them. When we find ourselves in isolation and away from the community that God has provided so he can express himself through the people that he has provided here on earth to, to show his glory off, some people that I know that have found themselves in rock bottom have found themselves in isolation from the church. And I'm not talking about coming to services. I'm talking about coming to people that you know believe in the same God that you believe and that you're no longer avoiding them so that you can keep on doing your own thing. You're actually going to them, going to the people that you trust, going to people who you know will have sound counsel, who will have a sound mind over the situations that you're experiencing that will save you from getting to rock bottom. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It got real quiet in here. Sheesh. But Jonah was thinking about the place where he experienced God's presence. You know what else about the temple is the place where this prophet, Jonah, a prophet, a man of God, who knew the word of God, who was the one who was presenting sacrifices at the temple to have his sins atoned for, he was remembering the last place that he was good with God. I know that there are people who have been in rock bottom and I've had levels of rock bottom and I know it's not the same rock bottom that everyone has experienced, but everyone has had some semblance of a rock bottom. You kind of go back of like, when was the last time I was good with God or good with those people? And I felt so much more peace. That is why Jonah is thinking about the temple. And what I'm wanting to warn you of today, before you get to rock bottom, seek his presence in your life. Seek out wise counsel. Seek people who are the church, who are the temple of God. We now are being formed into the temple of God as the body of Christ. It's a great place to be. But if we are not getting honest with each other, if we're not being honest about our issues, and if we do not kick out the religious spirit that may be on some of us who decides to judge people before we accept people, then we may not be allowing people to experience the peace that they can when they're in the house of God. The presence of God. It's the place where we remember where we were good with God. It wasn't a place of being perfect. It was a place that you could come broken. Can we get a little bit more broken, church? Can we be a little bit more honest about our brokenness? When we are less honest about our brokenness, we are susceptible to the enemy and the spirit of religiosity. It's not about perfection. It's not about rewards. You're going to find yourself in rock bottom before you, knew that, before you know it. Now, I want to kind of...
kind of switch gears to this idea that in the temple, not only is it a place where you experience peace and a place that you experience where you are good with God, but you also experience the word of God spoken. So at the temple, that's where people would hear the word of God because there wasn't, you know, everything, there wasn't public printers and publishers, you know, printing the word out for people in the masses, okay? This is where the word of God was read. And I want you to understand that the first half, I mean, actually three-fourths of this whole prayer is all scriptures. Did you know that Jonah, in this rock-bottom prayer, he is finding solace in the word of God? And you know why he is finding solace and peace in the word of God? It's because it's the actual words from God. This is God speaking to his heart. This is God speaking directly to his soul. These prayers are scriptural prayers. If we are gonna get to the place where we get out of rock bottom and we wanna pray our way out of situations and pray our way into peace, then we're gonna start praying not just prayers for our preferences, but prayers that are scripture. Those scriptures hold the greatest power. See what he does here. Um, uh, Jonah 2.2, and it's gonna be on the screen. Jonah 2.2, the part of his prayer where he's saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same thing on Psalm 33. Oh Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to the life from among those who, those who go down to the pits. That's Jonah 2.2. 2. And then Jonah 2.3, it goes on to say, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounds me. All your ways and your billows passed over me. Psalm 42.7, he's recalling the scriptures that he heard read in the temple. It says, deep calls the deep, deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Thank God that he had scriptures to draw from in the pit of his hell here on earth. And then Jonah 2.5, it says, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounding weeds are wrapped about my head. Do you hear how honest he is being about his situation? He's also recalling the words that are going to give him scriptures, that are going to give him power and solace and peace. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. And finally, um, Jonah 2, 9. He says here, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. He's saying, even in the rock bottom moment, he's saying, I'll sacrifice anything to you. How many people have been there in rock bottom? You're like, I'll do anything for you if you would just save me. You know, he's finding solace, not in his outcome that he wants, but he's saying, I'm gonna sacrifice anything. I'll do anything for you. I will sacrifice anything that I have hold, held onto too tightly, anything that I've put on the throne of my heart. I'm gonna sacrifice it. And he's calling out Psalm 66, 13 through 14. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. Those are sacrifices. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. These are rock bottom prayers I think many of us know about. But if we're gonna get out of them, if we're gonna have a God respond to us, we're gonna pray powerful prayers that are his words. There's more power in his words than our complaints. So I'm going to tell you guys this every time I have the mic, but I'm so grateful for the prayer rooms, Tuesday mornings at six, Wednesdays at noon, and Thursdays at seven. These are moments where we can meet with God. These are the moments where I am finding are the spaces where God is meeting us. 
at the end of every six o'clock session, at the end, we, we read a psalm. And we don't just read it out of rote religiosity. No, we read them as a prayer. Bring scriptures in your prayer life if you want to bring power into your prayer life. This is what Jonah is showing us. He's reminded of the temple because this is where the scriptures are read. And when we read God's word over our life, he brings us peace. I don't know if he was really concerned about how he was praying at this point. I don't know if he, his crying out looked like contemplative prayer. Oh, Lord, I'm crying out to you. Or if it was like a charismatic on this end who is crying and screaming and What's important is not if it's contemplative prayer or if it's charismatic prayer. What's important is that it is honest prayer, that it is humble prayer, that we are even getting to the point of crying out. Listen, when there are people in my life that I don't know well, I'm not gonna cry out to them for help, right? Do you hear me? I'm not gonna cry out to them for help because they don't know my situation, they don't know me. But if Caleb's in the room, then I'm gonna cry out to him, right? Okay, let me give you another example. When I'm at the Starbucks line and I'm in distress because I have to be somewhere, but the mobile line is taking longer than I want it to, I'm not gonna cry out to them because I'm trying to look like Pastor Chrissy just in case anybody comes to our church, any of these baristas, like if, just in case they, they went to our church once. So I'm like, I'm fine, I'm totally patient. I'm fine, it's good. Freaking hurry, you know what I mean? And so, but if it was Caleb who was making me a latte at home and he knows I need to be somewhere and he's not there, he's He's not doing that. I'm going to be like, come on, I got it. I'm going to cry out to you. Get it done. But do you know the difference between that kind of prayer and this kind of prayer is the intimacy that I have with him. God's saying, I'm not just wanting you to do the right thing. I'm not wanting you to say the prayers. I want you to connect with me because I care for you and I want to come through on your behalf because I love you, because you're my creation. I care about my creatures. He cares about us. He loves us. He wants to connect with us. So my question for you as I was contemplating this whole message was, how can I help you guys understand that God wants us to pray rock bottom prayers, not only when we have found ourselves in rock bottom? I'll tell you about a story in a, in a, in a minute, but that really helped me understand this. But one question I had was, why is God so interested in rock bottom prayers? What I have learned and what I think that Jonah is showing us is number one, he wants to reveal yourself to you. When Jonah prays, he recognizes this is a distressful situation. He is learning, he's recognizing even the conversation that he had with other people that were on the boat in chapter one, you'll have to go back and read it. He's realizing the error of his ways. He realizes, he knows full well that he is disobeying God and he's not ministering to the Ninevites because he has a hate for them. When there's not a love for God or a love for the mission that he has us on, there's gonna be a hate that comes up, okay? And obedience will follow. Disobedience will follow. So he's recognizing that he has been disobedient and he wants to recall the time in the temple where he was good with God again. That is all that brought him peace. He wants to reveal you to you. 
some of us need to be saved from ourselves. Some of us aren't getting saved from ourselves because we're not being honest with ourselves. Remember the prayer that is a rock bottom prayer that God doesn't wanna just have you pray when you're at rock bottom. He wants you to be so desperate for him that you ask him everything that you need because you're finally being honest with yourself. Can we finally be honest that we can't do this life without him? And if you don't have that revelation, perhaps you've not hit rock bottom yet. But I, and I tell you, you can cultivate that by staying in his presence, by asking of him and by being with him and understanding how good he is, then, then you will save yourselves from rock bottom. Did you know that? Just get honest. There's a raw honesty that happens when we pray rock bottom prayers, desperate prayers, where he reveals us to us. So why is God so interested in rock bottom prayers? He wants to reveal yourself to you. Number two, he wants to reveal himself to you. This has a lot to do with what I was saying earlier, deep humility. It's not about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. So what we see in this prayer is that there's a level of humility that Jonah has because he's not really thinking about himself. He's thinking about what God has done, what God is doing, what God can do. He's recalling his times with God, the time that he met with him in the temple. He knows more and he cares more about God and the way he sees this situation and he realizes that he is the only one who can help him in this matter. Deep humility. God wants to reveal himself to you. A question was asked by my friend and I've said this one other message, my friend Michelle, she's sitting in the back. Every year she asks uh, anybody celebrating their birthday, what was the one thing that you learned about God this year that you didn't know about him in the previous year? And I think that every year we get older, every year that we serve God and we become more like God, we can only become more like him when we have a revelation of who he is. So when we're praying the rock bottom prayers, we're gonna be, we can be like Jonah. Jonah, the one who recognizes that he was a provider, that he is the only one who is worthy of having, being, having any kind of sacrifice. He is the one that he's gonna vow to pay his sacrifices to. And he's the one that says salvation belongs to the Lord. God is the only one who can save me. He's not thinking about himself. He's not thinking about how he doesn't want to go to the Ninevites. He's not thinking about his situation or, or what he would prefer. Some of us in our rock bottom prayers, we think we're at rock bottom when we're asking him to just save us from a situation, but God wants to take you to a deeper level, a deeper understanding that he wants to provide himself to you. You know what it says in... Uh, Romans 10, 13, this is also prophesied by Joel and repeated by Peter in the book of Acts. But Romans 10, 13, Paul says this and he quotes the scripture, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord to give him this outcome. <laughs> he doesn't say everyone who calls uh, and prays this many times will get the outcome. No, he will be saved when he calls on the name of the Lord. When God becomes everything, he's interested in meeting our rock bottom prayers. He wants to reveal yourself to you. He wants to reveal himself to you and he wants to be your everything. He wants to be your everything. Here's the thing that we read 
about here is that Jonah recognizes that he and others, when he, his, his life is fading away, his life is flashing before his eyes, he's remembering, remembering the Lord and he's remembering his time in the temple. And then he goes on, verse eight says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. He's admitting that he has not put his hope in God. Instead, he disobeyed him for his preference and then he found himself in rock bottom. And when you find yourself in rock bottom, you find out that you made God a second love. And what happens when we get to rock bottom is that we finally realize that we can, we'll sacrifice anything to have that first love back. We find ourselves, I found myself in recent years where the Lord was like, man, you've lost your first love. You're very concerned about all the other things that you're doing in the name of Jesus even. And you concerned yourselves more with that and the outcomes of those situations and the way you were gonna handle those situations and those relationships more than you cared about what I was doing. More than you cared about loving on me, ministering to me. You know our first ministry, some people are like, my first ministry is my husband. My first ministry is my family. My first ministry is the church. No, my first ministry is to minister to the heart of God. We were created to worship him. And if we don't care about doing that before even our families and our spouses and our ministry, then we have fallen out of our first love. And putting God back on the throne of our hearts after we pray these rock bottom prayers is the goal that we would come back to our first love. God's so interested in these rock bottom prayers because he wants to be your everything. He wants to be your all in all. He wants you to have the realization that the only thing you have going for you, even when times are good, or even when it seems like things are working well and relationships are good and, you know, money is flowing and all these things, that you still, no matter what, the only thing you have going for you is God. Some of us have taken advantage of the grace that he's given us and we have not yet recognized that he is merciful. That is how I answered my friend when she asked me, how, what did you learn about God that you didn't know the year before? And it was his mercy. The level of desperation in our prayers reveals the level of revelation you've received of God's mercy. I wanna tell you about a time in my life, I was 39 and um, it happened to be the year that I, I, I was really looking forward to my 40s, okay? But then 39 came and my body was falling apart, literally. Like my back was hurting, um, uh, hurt it in the gym. <clears throat> yeah, I go to the gym. Just kidding, I don't know why I said And then I hurt my wrist, still kind of bad. I had a freak jaw accident. I've talked about it. You guys all, all laughed at me for it. But without going into all the details, there maybe not many of you would have considered that rock bottom. And, but for me, there was emotional rock bottom. And even for me, there was this revelation that me and Caleb's marriage could have been stronger. And actually, I'm really excited for the brotherhood because, and I'm, this is an aside, I meant to mention it earlier, but I'm really excited for the brotherhood because um, 
for years we've had sisterhood. You know that we've done a girls event, we've done a boys event, but now brotherhood is ramping up and I believe it's because the men of God have been praying in this house. And I do believe that the men of God have had a revelation of what God wants to do. And it has a lot to do with this raw honesty and this deep humility. And I'm gonna say this about Caleb and I'm, don't worry, I'm not just like calling him out. He said this from the pulpit himself and he confessed this to a group of um, brotherhood leaders recently, but he had to repent because he realized, yes, he was not always very vulnerable or transparent with people who were close with him. He always kept people at a distance and some friendships at a distance and found himself even keeping me at a distance. And then he realized, not only am I keeping my wife at a distance, but even out of the spirit of religiosity, he was keeping God at a distance because there wasn't a level of raw honesty or deep humility and he repented for that. And what happens when there's deep repentance is an abundance of God's goodness because it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And when you experience his kindness, his goodness will follow you. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But that comes after a place of repentance. That comes after a place of raw honesty. That came for me after going to a therapist and not just being honest with people who I knew would say the good things and nice things to me. It was somebody who was gonna be honest with me. Who do you have in your life that you can be honest with? God wants us to be called to a deeper place of understanding his mercy. But that happens when we're finally desperate. But we have to be honest with ourselves and honest with our community and more than anything honest with God so that he can become our everything. The level of desperation in your prayers reveal the level of revelation you've received of God's mercy. It was because of that experience for me and Caleb and, and transparency that happened in our marriage and therapy and honesty and vulnerability that God said, it was, it was a year, let me go back to that year, it was a year of threshing you know what a threshing is? It's like the wheat that is hit on the, the ground of the altar, the hard ground, and what comes out of the wheat is what's edible from the wheat. Everything else needs to be cast away. So when you're experiencing a threshing, it's because God, it may hurt sometimes, it may be painful, but remember the pain sometimes is the provision of God. And the enemy, his goal is for you to think that pain is the thing that you should fear, but it really is distance that you should fear from being away from God and God's community. But anyways, there's a threshing that takes place and all that comes out of that threshing is what's edible from that wheat. Can I tell you right now, without the threshing, without the hardship, without the pain, it's not a punishment. Without the pain, you're not going to be or serve any good fruit to the world around you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Are people tasting and seeing from the fruit of your life? Or are you avoiding hard things? Or are you avoiding being honest? Are you avoiding vulnerability? Are you avoiding healing? Are you avoiding? What are you avoiding? God's saying, get to the place of rock bottom prayers. Get to the place of desperation. Get to the place of true surrender. And I will pour out my blessing on you. 
and I will save you. We may not know what the salvation looks like. It may not be in the timing. It may not be in the way we want it. But God is faithful. And because, let me go back, because of the situation that Caleb and I had come, come through, God said, you may have had a season of threshing, but you don't have to be going through a hard time to feel this close to me. I was praying every day. When you're rock bottom, you're praying every day. You're gonna sacrifice anything for him, right? But he's saying, it, you don't have to just be in a hard time to have an intimate relationship with me. You just have to stay desperate. That's the posture that God is looking for in his people. Can we have the posture of desperation? Can we have the posture of humility? Can we have the posture of true, raw honesty so that he can be our everything? We'll sacrifice anything so he can be our everything, amen? Amen, let's bow our heads in this place. I, I believe that the Lord is calling us to prayer. God is calling us to not just recite prayers or not just pray when the pastor is leading us in prayer. No, God's asking us to make a place, a meeting place, just like Jonah remembered of the temple, to meet with him regularly so that you are in a place of constant desperation for him, where you're recognizing that you can't do anything without him. We want to pray rock bottom prayers in this church without without being actually in our rock bottom. Maybe we are in rock bottom, but there's a desperation that God is looking for that he responds to the way that he saved Jonah and vomited him out of the the mouth of the fish. So there's some people in this place, I believe, that have hit rock bottom or feel like they're heading to rock bottom. Listen, you're either heading into a storm, in the middle of a storm, or coming out of a storm, and these are the moments where you can say yes to Jesus, you can be honest with Him, and you can allow Him to guide your life and to save you from that storm. And you know what? All he's looking for is connection. All he's looking for is intimacy with you. So if that's you in this place and you've hit rock bottom or you've been there before, but you haven't fully surrendered your life to God, I want to give you an opportunity to accept him into your life, to make him the Lord of your life so he can save you and help you and heal you. There's some who have avoided the raw honesty, the deep humility because the pain has been too debilitating because thinking about what you have experienced is too hard. But let me tell you that there's a God who is so kind and His mercy is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for you. So if you're in this place and you wanna recommit your life to God or you wanna commit your life to Jesus maybe for the first time, I wanna pray over you. And all it takes is to have faith in your heart and confess from your mouth and you will be saved. So on the count of three, if you would raise your hand, if you want to accept Jesus in your life or recommit to him, would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. I see that hand, 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 hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody? Okay. Okay. All right, come on. There were many who lifted their hands. Would you repeat after me, the whole church? And we're going to be that community that hopes and prays alongside of those who are in a time of need. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I accept you into my life today. Thank you for dying on a cross for me and ascending to heaven so that I might have life. 
I believe that you died for my sins and you can forgive me. So I confess my need of you. I confess my sins. I confess the times I've run and I've confessed my times of reluctance. But give me the strength today, Lord, to live for you, to obey you, to go after you, to make you my everything. I love you, Jesus, and I give you this time in your precious name. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.